This is Ryan McKinnell in for Jimmy Smith. And on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, Dean Thomas and myself break down Marlon Cheeto Vera's highlight reel knockout of Dominic Cruz in the main event of UFC San Diego and what it could mean for both of their careers going forward. We also sit down with our very own Angela Overkill Hill to discuss the judges finally getting something right in her unanimous decision victory over Lupe Godinez on Saturday. Dominic Cruz said he was willing to walk through hell and uh, he pretty much had to. And I mean, uh, he was right. talking about being a good day to die. Marlon Cheeto Vera will put that on you as Dominic Cruz found out on Saturday, rearranging his face, Dean Thomas, with a high kick. But did he die, though? No, Dean, he's still so, all right. Who, who was the ref anyway? I, Dad, I, I don't. I can't I don't remember. Know. But yeah, why did they know. stop it? Why did the ref stop it? What? If I was the ref, I'd be like, hey, you said you wanted to die. <laughs> No, I wouldn't have did that. I would have. I know, I know, Dean. I'm aware. <laughs> but he did you, say it. He did. I'd be like, "What you want me to do? You said it was. You said you was prepared yo, to die." Yo, and he said you- it. <laughs> he said it with his whole chest too. Yeah. He was very confident. Like, yeah. yo, I'm, I'm gonna die. Like, okay, all right. Well, Chino Chino Vera was about that life because listen, Dean, he had to stick it out, right? Like Dominic Cruz had, or excuse me, Chino Vera had to to really. Um, I guess, solved the puzzle that was Dominic Cruz. I was impressed with Cruz's performance right up until the point that I wasn't. And Cheeto Vera landed that high kick and absolutely sent Dominic Cruz into another realm, right? A different multiverse. It was uh, it was one of those highlight reel knockouts that is going to be played for years to come. And, it's you know, it's unfortunate for a guy like Cruz, who's given so much to the sport, a champion, you know, only four losses on his record, been here since the late 2000s, right? But that's the way this game goes, Dean. You know it as well as anybody. It's a cold game. But reality is, shout out to Eric Nixick who called that like a oh minute before God. it happened. You know, so yeah. I mean that was that was a pretty good call. He was like, "Hey, he dips his head. A good left kick, whap." <laughs> Yo, and he said that like thirty, literally like 35, 30 seconds right before the end of the fight. Like Eric tweeted that, and like if you were just a little bit behind on Twitter, that tweet probably caught up right when Cheeto Vera was landing that kick to Dominic Cruz. And yeah, I mean it was uh, it was textbook. It shattered the face of Dominic Cruz. It was a star making performance for Cheeto Vera. Uh, Dean, not only was it okay, it was in the main event, it, it came on a Saturday, yada, 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 but you had like Action Bronson who was in attendance, right? And then he went out in his socials, met him in the locker room afterwards. Like Cheeto is is catching on. Like we've known how dangerous he is. We know about his no frills approach, right? He's a guy that that is a true fighter's fighter. Like heading into this fight, he's like, there's no friends in fighting. Like cut from the Diaz school of thought, right? Like you're, you're in there to put me out. You're in there to put me in the ICU. I'm not your friend. You're not my friend. We're never going to be friends i'm here to hurt you that is a great sort of credo or sort of way to approach a fight when you're anybody let alone marlon chito vera the dude's about that life dean well and the reason why he is so attractive to fight fans is because the one thing that we all want with fight fans is we want them to be relatable right so we look for things that they remind us of them so like you know sometimes you know females like other females you know black black white white but sure. the one thing that Cheeto Vera has is violence. And that is the one thing that no matter what color, creed, race, religion you are, <laughs> that's the common denominator in fighting that everyone can relate to. And that is just being a downright violent individual. And Cheeto has that. And he he might he don't talk a lot. He just gets out there and he just puts violence on. And when you <laughs> watch it, it's just like, that's me right there. Or I what you were. 
or what you think inside your inside yeah, your inner that's what tough you, guy alpha. Uh, yeah, inside yeah. your head, like we all think we're Cheeto Vera. Like yeah. when we be when we be, somebody steal our parking spot, we'd be like, we'd be like, I do this for my family. I'm ready to die. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how we we. I think I'm Cheeto Vera, but the reality is, is I'm. That more sounded like more Cheeto like George St. Pierre there, Dean. Just so you know. That? Yeah, that was more. That, that, was more that GSP, sounded a little Dean. more. That sounded a little more GSP. <laughs> GSP. <laughs> I am not impressed by your performance. That's not I got to work on closer. my Vera a little bit, apparently. <laughs> oh. yeah, but, but I, I, but we all think we're that. Like we all want to be that, and we're not that. But we live vicariously through him because he is that, and he's proven it time and time again. Yeah, we're definitely not Cheeto Vera, but I love the sentiment, and you're absolutely right, right? Like the the most successful fighters are the ones that we. We want to find pieces of ourselves in that you want to believe in the old adage, right? That, that, that women want to be with him and then guys want to be him. If you've got that sort of combination in athletics, it's not just fighting, right? Yeah. Like it's that, in anything that sellability. In yeah. And anything in life, it's that sellability. You know, another thing that I love about Cheeto and we can get into the X's and O's and what's next for Cheeto, but as we're kind of on the pro wrestling tip and the dude cutting promos and the dude being believable and sellable to the audience. Another thing I like about Cheeto, and this is such a small aside as we talk about Marlon Vera, but the dude's got different looks. You know, that's something that like McGregor really understood. Like when he would come out, he'd have a new haircut, he'd have a new beard, he'd have new braids, he'd do whatever. Cheeto's really like aware of that. Like this is kind of like pro wrestling, right? And each time you go out, it doesn't hurt to have a new look and a new character and sort of like a new memory to give fans. I feel like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if he's aware of it. I don't know if he's cognizant of it, but like Cheeto Vera does that, whether it's like the you know, the Ecuadorian pirate look or the, you know, just rolled out of the barista look or the clean shaven, like, you know, going to court look and, you know, getting sent to detention look like the bad guy trying to be good. Look. He's got like a million different faces and that's great for sellability. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, as much as like branding, we want familiarity in our branding. Sure. But a part of that spontaneity and that unpredictability comes with familiarity because the familiarity is that you don't know what he's going to wear. And you don't know yeah. how he's going to look. So we want to see. So we watch to see what he's going to wear next. Now, I now I don't mean to toot my own horn, but it works for toot, me toot. as well on the broadcast. Like sometimes I come out, yes. you know, yes. I put the ascot on, sometimes yeah. I got the bow tie. And the, but then last week I was basic. You know what I'm saying? I just came out basic. They were like, what's going on? I was like, you know, every once in a while I got to throw y'all off. Because next time I might come out wearing an astronaut ant uniform. You know what I'm saying? Like I might come out, you know, in something, you know, so you just never know. We go to the OG, one of the OGs of the fight game, still doing it, you know, came on our radar in like, what, like 2007, 8, 9, whatever it was, those those uh, final throws of the WEC. Of course, I'm talking about the Dominator, Dominic Cruz. Dean looking really, really good right up until he didn't on Saturday night, obviously getting knocked out courtesy of the feet of Marlon Cheeto Vera, a devastating KO. But I, I got to be honest, man, the dipping, the slipping, the ripping, all the things that we've come accustomed to when we talk about Dominic Cruz, it felt like it was there. I was supremely impressed with Cruz uh, right up until he got caught. I thought it was a great fight. Yeah, he's a little bit slower. He's not exactly the same version, but he's still, I was saying, as we were watching it, I was talking to one of my friends. I was like, man, we really got to appreciate this dude. He is a one-of-one one in the fight game. You know, like in like baseball and everyone like had their batting stances and like growing up, you do like, you know, Julio Franco or Ken Griffey Jr. You'd like mimic the batting stances because each batting stance had like their different style. 
style. You can do that with Dominic Cruz in this fight game, and you can't do that with a lot of fighters. Like, this dude has made an art of his own in the sport of mixed martial arts. I, I really hated to see the retirement talk come down the pike uh, for Dominic Cruz on Saturday night because I just don't see it, Dean. Yeah, I mean, he, again, man, he he really revolutionized the style to fit him. Like, cause he knew what his limitations were for real. He knew that he wasn't like a powerful, strong guy. He knew that he couldn't face people head on. So he had a, a style of footwork that kept guys out of position and never really allowed them to set up on him. That he would change directions really fast. And then if they got overbearing, he was still a decent enough wrestler to get yeah. in on shots and they were so off balance. He was able to get him down. So, I mean, he really did. He really did have a unique style and and really was like the first of that kind to really be able to do that and um but it's not necessarily like the, the talks of retirement i don't think it has anything to do with necessarily his skill level i think it has a lot to do with the standard that we assume that he sets for himself okay because we assume that he's such a, a smart intelligent guy that he wants to be champ and he was a champ and he's the greatest. He was the greatest of all time. So we assume that he wants to get back to that. But we don't know that we don't necessarily know that that's what he wants. Almost kind of like when Anderson Silva was like, oh, I still want to fight. Like, I'm like, God, man, this guy needs to stop because, you know, we rem remember him being so great. But Anderson Silva was like, I wanted to fight because I love fighting, not because I want to be champ, but I love fighting. So we don't know what's in Dominic's heart. We don't know if he wants to be champ or if he just loves fighting. Yeah, I will say two and two in his last four. And for the most part, he's looked uh, pretty, pretty solid, right? Like, again, not the Dominic that we saw 10 years ago, but what would you expect at 37 years old? I still think he's dangerous. I still think he can collect, you know, really nice paychecks. And I still think he can make it for a tough night for just about anybody in the division, Dean. Again, I think back to like, there was a point where I thought Robbie Lawler was done at age 31. Like when he was back in Elite XC, I thought he was completely over it. I thought he was done with the sport. He didn't seem motivated. Then he went out there to become, you know, UFC welterweight champion. There was a period uh, when Andre Arlovsky, after he was done with the heavyweight division in the mid 2000s, and then he went over to Affliction and he got knocked out by Fedor Emelianenko. I thought Arlovsky was toast. I thought he was done. I didn't think he had a chance in hell to ever get back to the UFC. And he's had a completely different second career, and he's added onto that legacy. I'm not saying that you know, Glover Teixeira, right? Like I'm not saying that's necessarily in the cards for Dominic Cruz, but I do think a lot of fan friendly fights are ahead and in store and a lot of nice paydays for Dom. Um, and, and listen, Dean, if you can get a payday in this sport, if people are clamoring to see you and you're not completely washed, I say, go out there and get it because that money in this sport, I know the analyst roles in the radio and this and that, that's all great, but that ain't for everybody. And that's not going to last forever. Right. Dean. So get that bag while the bags are there. Yeah, for sure. But the problem with Dom is Dom is not like a, a, a fan friendly fighter really. Is he? I mean, he's, oh, but, but I more think there's people so, that appreciate him. I think there's but, people that appreciate him. Not in the traditional, listen, not in the Donald Cerrone sense, not in the Nick Diaz sense, right? Not in that, not from cut from that cloth. No, but so I don't necessarily think you put him in those fan friendly fights, but unfortunately you got to put him in stepping stone fights. Yeah. He'll, so got, what you're saying, essentially he plays gatekeeper now. Yeah. You got to put him in, you got to put him in fights against those guys that are, you know, like itching their way to the top. But can they get there? Are they worthy of getting there? You know, those eight through top eight through six, 20 guys, you know, yeah. like those guys that, that we think have a lot of potential. Can they beat Dominic Cruz? Those, you know what I'm saying? Well, 
that's what we'd be watching for. Now you say, can they beat Dominic Cruz? Well, Dominic Cruz even want to continue because we haven't really heard from him in any substantive, uh, substantial way, I should say, Dean. But this is what Dom had to say uh, on the lead up last week, leading up to this fight with Cheeto Vera about what his aspirations and hopes are going forward. He said, quote, I do think I'm still gunning for a championship. Why would I do this if I weren't gunning for a championship? It would be pretty useless in my opinion, end quote. Those are some strong words. That's a, that's a look into the psyche of a champion, right? Of someone who wants to be a champion that seems pretty cut and dry. So I, I guess if, if you take those words to heart and you really read between the lines and you see how serious he is, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if like in a week or two, we heard about the retirement from Dominic Cruz. Cause, cause Dean, I don't think he's ever going to be a champion again. I think he will play gatekeeper. And I do think he has some nice paydays ahead, maybe even some main events. If he wants to, if he can get a win or two uh, back on the right place. Right. So again, you hear those words again, I'll read them. I do think I'm still gunning for a championship. Why would I do this? If I weren't gunning for a championship, it would be pretty useless in my opinion. When you look at it through that lens in that context, again, Dean retirement could be on the horizon for Dominic Cruz. I mean, if he, if he maintains that stance on it though, yes. Yeah. I mean, he might change his tune. Like that's the <laughs> thing is if he might change his tune, he's going to have to change his tune. If he wants to continue to do this, and that's very possible, he might go, he might recognize where he's at and be like, you know what? I'm just going to stick around fighting, get a couple bags and see what else I got left. And then before, and if I start taking a lot of punishment, then I'll get out of here. But he's going to have to make that decision and be honest with himself. And Dom seems like the type of guy who's going to be honest with himself because he's honest with everybody else. Why wouldn't he be honest with himself? Yep, well said, well said. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM. Channel 156. Angela Hill here with us on a Monday edition of Unlocking the Cage. Angie, standing ovation for you. No, no complaints this time. We don't have to get on the air and bitch about the judges. You got one, girl. Let's go. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We proved the judges that I want to fight. <laughs> we are so happy for you. Listen, uh, I didn't hear the candy walkout, but your walkout was no. awesome, but I couldn't make out the song. Uh, my wife wanted to know because she was like, tell Angie I loved her walkout. Tell Angie oh, I loved her walkout. So what was the track you used? It was uh, You Can't Stop Me Now by uh, Al Capone. It was like a... a it was like a, a what do you call it? A custom song he did for Rampage Jackson. Oh, so okay. when I was looking at my little like backstage playlist that came up and I was like, oh, this sounds cool. Let me do that because we, she can't stop me. When are we getting the Nation of Domination cosplay inspired <laughs> walkout? Because, you know, that I need a little time. Okay. I need time. I didn't know. I, like I could have done it uh, this time. But um, <laughs> yeah, they, <Save> it. <laughs> they snuck it up on me. I was saying yeah, they did. It was a, it was a late replacement. Uh, save it for a pay-per-view. I'm with that. Uh, Angela Hill. Now, listen, I know Dean wants to talk to you. He's got a lot of questions. I just got to ask you to kick the this off right when they read that decision and you got the nod the exhale that you left let out right like that wasn't a normal exhale like you had we were feeling it we were like oh man come on like the decision's got to go your way but we dean and i were kind of talking about it right like had that not gone your way you were looking at like 13 and 13 or whatever it was right like that was 
a really uh, gnarly barrel that's sort of been staring down. So the relief I would imagine that you felt, Angela Hill, it had to have been monumental. Yeah, uh, I think um, after the last one versus Lemos, I yeah. I uh, didn't know what to expect anytime it goes to decision because I felt like that was the one where I really proved that I did enough and the rounds were very easy to judge and still, you know, it went to her. So looking back at that fight, I was pretty sure it was one and one going into the third, but I knew yeah. I ended the the first round strong. So when it was unanimous, I'm like, okay, there's no, it has to be me. Like it has to be me. There's no way it could unanimously, unanimously be the other way around. Um, and it was me. So I was, I was really happy. I, I just felt like every round I, I, I didn't just uh, do big things, but I ended strong every round. Um, even the round I lost, I felt like I ended strong. And that was like, I could see the fight leaving her face, you know, like, cause Lupi, yeah. she just seemed very calm and cool the entire weekend. And uh, halfway through the first round, I saw a little bit of like, ah, oh, Lord, like this, you know, like when, when you got a big task ahead of you, you just put your hands on your hip and you're just like, all right. You know, I could see that expression change in her halfway through the first round. And I knew like, yeah, if I keep putting it on her, I keep trapping her and not giving her what she wants, then uh, she's really going to have a hard time keeping up with me. Well, that's definitely a sign of experience when you can be able to, you know, put that, put everything else aside and then notice that about her face. That's experience. Because, <laughs> you know, young fighters are just like, ah, go ape shit. Yeah. But the question I have for you, my first question is this, is it is how much pressure did you put on yourself for this fight, considering the position you were in? Um, A lot, you know, and it wasn't just the position I was in, but it was also the fact that everyone thought I was going to get my ass kicked. You know, like I was like, oh, same shit's going to happen this time to happen last time. You know, Angela can't wrestle. <laughs> and uh, and that was the pressure as well, because I knew what I could do. And I knew what my coaches knew I could do, but I had to do it. You know, I had to like, uh, go against my track record. And I think people don't really pay attention to all the leaps and bounds that I've made, or the fact that I've looked great against the same people that loopy had, but they just saw, Oh, she's a really good wrestler. And Angela has trouble with wrestlers. So that was a really hard hump to get over knowing my position, knowing that it was kind of like, okay, if I lose this, it's kind of a changing of the guard. Do we have somebody who's going to show up late notice whenever, you know, in this loopy character and she hasn't lost 12 times in the UFC. So it's like <laughs> people always get excited about the shiny new toy. And I'm like, sure. man, just, just give me a paint job. I'm still shiny. You know? <laughs> well, that's so what, what in this fight were you able to show that you have been working on some of the things that you're proud of that you were able to accomplish? Um, my wrestling, my, uh, my counter counter ability to wrestling as well. Um, just being able to be comfortable throwing because I'm comfortable in those clinch positions, because those are the positions that a lot of times I'll like do something that's a little too upright or a little too like, uh, unaware of the takedown and get taken down or even slip and get taken down. Um, so just, uh, being more confident to open up with my hands and with my with my jump knees and with my kicks just because 
I'm confident that I can get up if this girl takes me down. Like that was a big hump to get over. And if anything, hesitating when you defend a takedown is the way you get taken down. So I felt like there was no hesitation. Everything just kind of flowed into what we had been drilling since since uh, day one, but also since uh, my last fight, we've just been drilling, snatching up the neck on the guillotine if you're going or being able to pull them up if they haven't really gotten you down yet, pull them up and get to a clinch position and work those positions. And, you know, if you if you want to do your own takedown, that's going to help, too. It's going to help if you're not getting taken down because you're on top of them. So all that stuff, I was happy that I was able to work in the fight. So, you know, moving forward, obviously, you know, I've, and I've told you this many times is that I've always thought you had the potential and the talent. I just don't know if necessarily know if you had the right things behind you, the right resources behind you always. And, and you're learning you were learning on the job always mm-hmm. as opposed to like getting experience because like you were in the UFC so early then you went to Invicted and you came back. So everything was kind of like learning on a job and mm-hmm. an experiment in front of our eyes. So we kind of got a chance to watch that learning curve. Now, moving forward, as we're watching that learning curve. What's going to get you to the next level? Um, just more wins, you know, more streaks. Uh, at, at this point, um, I feel like I'm doing what I need to do to get to the next level, and that's just having very focused camps, not being part of a big gym where you kind of get lost in in the current of whatever the main breadwinner has to learn. Um, because like for for the longest time, I've just been doing just enough to get back up to my feet, but I was never trying to be a grappler. I was never trying to like beat people at their own game. And I feel like that just gives me options. If I'm getting hit too much, you know, I could go for a takedown. If I'm not getting hit too much and they have no ground game, I can go for a submission, get out of there early. And I definitely feel like my submission game right now is pretty strong. Um, so if I can just get that wrestling to to uh, be as active uh, the, as my striking, then I really think I'm going to be opening up finishes. So I think I think going forward, I'm still looking for finishes because I was still even scared, <laughs> you know, going to the judges scorecard, even though I felt like it was a dominant <laughs> win. So I think just going forward, more grappling tournaments, just competing as often as possible and uh, uh, mixing it up with my sparring partners too, because I have like uh, a, a really good BJJ girl who's really just like gotten my ground game sharpened up and gotten my defense sharpened up and showing me little tricks there here and there. I've been training with really good uh, Muay Thai fighters uh, and female Muay Thai fighters as well, training with good wrestlers. Um, so just just getting as many looks as possible, bringing all the all the all the uh, information to the, to the coaches and having everyone dissect that stuff. I think that's uh that's what you do going forward because you know, I don't have, I don't have time like that to be learning <laughs> stuff. I don't need to know at the moment. <laughs> well, you talk about training and obviously we're here with Angela overkill Hill. The majority of your training, all of your training happens in the, uh, well, the state of California in the great city of San Diego, which was yeah. home base on Saturday night, Angie, the crowd. I mean, I could hear it on the TV. I would imagine you heard it inside the octagon. You had the the, the full force of that hometown crowd behind you. I, I would imagine on some level that lifts, lifts you up a little bit, especially when you get in a dog fight like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was a. 
I feel like there were moments where people were chanting my name and her name at the same time. So it was a nice <laughs> little little uh, uh, cheer squad battle. And now all my friends who were like, yeah, they there were a few loopy people there. But by the end, they were cheering for me like they oh, were yeah. just like excited that the fight was uh, the fight looked the way it does. And, you know, they you can kind of count on that. Like if if my opponent lets me get into that type of fight, I'm definitely going to get into that type of fight like I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about fighting in a phone booth. Like that's yeah. that's that's my favorite type of fight right there. Like, oh yeah, okay, we're swinging. Okay, we're swinging. You know, yeah, that's, that's my that's my over. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's my uh, that's my style. So uh, it was really fun to do that in front of a crowd because then you see they're appreciating it. You're not just like getting hit <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> you're getting a pop at least. You're getting, yeah. you're getting a crowd reaction out of it. at least. Speaking of a. Uh, the reaction from the crowd. Well, you obviously you get this fight in San Diego because it came together late. This wasn't a late replacement fight. They just moved the fight up from October. Yeah. So, so Angie, is this all you're like from now on, you're just taking fights on like two weeks notice. This is, this is what your MO is going to be. Just go in there, get thrown into the fire and get that dub. I mean, it was, but then bitches, I mean, <laughs> girls stopped. <laughs> Get a little comfortable here on a Monday. I like it, Overkill. I like it. <laughs> like it I say, I'm on my second drink of the day. Um. <laughs> One of my questions was going to be like, how are you celebrating this this victory, Angela Hill? But I, look like, I, think I, I already just got my am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, that's, that's always been my MO. Get those short notice fights. But then these girls stop saying yes. You know, they're like, nah, she's going to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. Give me the other girl. So uh, so I was happy that Loopy was down to, you know, yeah. get down. I mean, I wasn't I didn't expect anything else from her knowing her track record. But, you know, some people, they for some reason, they just shy away from a fight for me. I think I think they know that they have to be in shape for it. You know, they know I'm going to push them and they know I'm going to drag them down in the deep waters, even if it's just a three round fight. Now you're kind of in a, I would say a weird position because like you're a veteran. Um, but like you said, some of them veterans don't want to fight you probably because they know it's so where, what type of opponent are you looking to get? Because we, I was just talking about them two fresh girls who just came in yeah. and I was like, man, these girls look really good. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's obviously, and I'm like, is that, is that what you <laughs> want? Look, is that you right for the picking? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, whenever I see the young girls come in or like the contender series girls come in, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should take them under my wing. And they're like, no, fuck that. I want to fight them. You know, like, <laughs> you can see the greenness, you know, because I, I recognize myself. I saw like my first few fights in the UFC. You see a lot of potential there. But then also you see like I'm doing a lot of shit that was probably a lot harder than something else I could have done that would have been a lot more slick. So uh, so I think I think against any of the newer signees, I match up well. If anything, Loopy was the one that I was most nervous about, you know, but all the rest of them out there that have uh, that have been in the UFC for for a couple of years or less. I feel like I got I have so much experience over them and I'm just going to figure out a way to beat them, um, uh, you know, just because like, yeah, it's it, it's only the elite that I have trouble with. And half of those people I should have beaten, you know, half of those elite that I had trouble with. I still felt like I won those fights. So. Give me anybody. I called out Carolina just because like all the girls from who got in the UFC when I did, a lot of them are retiring. So aside from 
uh, Jessica, who's my sister, aside from uh, Rose and Andrade, who I won't be able to fight for a while, just rankings wise. Uh, and Carla, obviously, like there's there's not many options for me to fight people who have come in at the same time I did. So Carolina is like one of them. She just retired Felice. So I feel like that might <laughs> that retirement speech for her might be coming soon. So that's why I called her out. Um, but really, like there's anyone uh, there's, I don't care. Like, <laughs> like, I really don't care. Like, I was joking that I was joking with my manager. I was like, hey, man, you know, I asked you for an easier fight this time. I mean, you gave me the fucking hardest prospect in the strawweight division. So I'm not going to say shit. Just give me whoever, because I feel like it's definitely going to be easier than the last one. <laughs> no, I, I, I like the Carolina call out because that's I mean, it's got I think you deserve that. Right. Yeah. Because like you said, all them girls that came in when you did, they're on their way out. But mm -hmm. for you, I feel like there's still so much upside and potential. You deserve to be able to put a nail in her coffin. Yeah, let me do that. Let me do that. Zion and Yan is one of the ones who I'm like, yo, I won that fight. And uh, and she almost put the nail in her coffin. <laughs> so I feel like that's a fair fight. I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of the chicks in the top 10 have bounced off of Carolina and broken to the top 10 because of that. So they should give me a chance to bounce up there, too. Well, you talk about giving it a chance too. like, I don't think it's uh, any secret. Like Loopy was heralded, right? Like there were eyes on Loopy mm -hmm. in terms of, like you said, one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous prospect in your division, you go out there, you take care of business in exciting fashion, right? Bonuses, uh, which has become a part of your brand, Angela Hill. But I, like, again, that was a huge fight for you. I think, I mean, you were an underdog heading into that. You proved a lot of people wrong, but I do feel like Angela, that win should get you some equity in in the UFC, not only for what you've done in the past, like we could add all that in the equity and the long game and all that, but just off the win that you put on, you know, on your record on Saturday night, that's got to speak volumes to the UFC brass. Oh, it's got to. Um, I'm, I'm sure it will. But, you know, uh, there's that article floating around that's uh, making fun of the fact that I made more than Dom last weekend. <laughs> but the reason uh, that I have such a high contract is because uh, the UFC did respect those fights that I've, I should have won. And they that's gave great. me... They gave me a good bump because of it when I re-signed my contract. That, and I've fought the most times... Uh, of any woman, I think, in the UFC, yeah. at least in the strawweight division. So, you know, every time you resign that contract, you get a bump and my bump is up to. uh, uh Yeah. Yeah. You also you also you also don't need to explain yourself. This is like when the minimum wage conversation comes up and you're like, wait a minute. Like if you raise the minimum wage, I should really get three dollars. And yeah, if you if you raise the minimum wage to sixteen dollars, well, what about our teachers and this and that? Yeah, they yeah. should all be making more money, too. Like Angela Hill, you made what you made. And yeah, Dominic Cruz should probably be making more money than he makes. So like when you sit here and you have to explain why you have the most appearances in strawweight history after you just took out right one of the most heralded prospects in your division having to come here and explain why you got your worth it just it kind of speaks volumes to where the sport is at but i am i'm very glad uh that he, that conversation is even happening because that means you got paid angela hill and yeah. uh, you deserve it overkill you deserve it again that's uh, the serious tenure that you put in in the ufc with lots of great fights dean i know you had one more you wanted to ask uh, overkill over there yeah, I mean, it's just because we you kind of started this conversation, and I hope this doesn't like open up a can of worms. Like, <laughs> because, uh -uh. But, but no, no. But and the reason why I ask because like you just 
if you just got a new deal and you're, and you're happy with it, like, what? how do you feel about Dana's comments in terms of saying fighters get what they deserve and they eat what they kill? Do you feel like you're getting what you deserved and you are eating what you kill? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I think so. I think just the shock in people's <laughs> in people's yeah. comments when they right. hear how much I I make. Um, I think I I think I am. It's just you know with the hit or miss uh, uh background that I have, I'm just happy that I'm getting paid that much. You know, yeah. um, because it it doesn't break the bank to show up to a fight it, it like I, I can afford to show up to a fight and it would be great if everyone was in that position. I, I know I have a lot of peers that don't make much. They make yeah. much less than me to win and show. And they're putting on crazy performances, getting nasty finishes. And I just like, you, you know, I, I hope that uh, they're able to negotiate better stuff in, in the future. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like what Dana says. Everyone wants to get paid more and uh, <laughs> everyone would gladly accept the raise. And I like I'm I'm happy with my contract right now. But, you know, it's, I've, I've fought my ass off and and I yes, think it's have. I think it's sad, like Ryan was saying, it's it's sad that people feel like I should be making less just because people should be making more, you know, like that. That's right. that that nothing sad. to do with you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nothing to do with me. Yeah. Like, don't don't try to bring me down. Like, just, yeah. just congratulate my manager, you know, like. <laughs> but, well, uh, not, not congratulate your manager because your manager didn't fight the fights that you fought. You did. Yeah. So it's you, it was your it was your work and your sweat. They got you the contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm happy with my contract. Like I'm I'm definitely uh I definitely feel like I deserve it though. Like I don't think that it's a charity. Um, I didn't do any favors for Dana. If anything, he sees himself in my husband, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bald men, bald, bald, angry men gotta stick together, Angela yeah. Hill. I can I can appreciate that. There's some there's some uh synergy happening there. We're here with Angela Overkill Hill, fresh off her victory on Saturday. Angie, yeah. I'm get you out of here on this i know you brought up kovalkiewicz but we'll see what happens with that um how active do you want to stay are there other names out there you mentioned the fresh blood in the water with uh the two young ladies who debuted on the card uh yurugi and lucindo um, there's a lot of there's a lot of options right there's a lot of options out yeah. there for you so what's like in terms of i didn't look like you took a ton of damage on saturday you look pretty healthy and happy well, you look definitely happy right now i'm a little puffy the happiness <laughs> might have something to do with the the couple of drinks you've had but yeah. uh yeah man no seriously like what's the timetable right like a quick turnaround you want to enjoy the rest of the summer what's left of it H how you feeling um i i asked for madison square garden because it looks like they're still booking stuff but it's yeah. probably already booked but um yeah it can't hurt the ass right because uh just because my my fight career started out there yeah like, i have my first muay thai gym i went to was in new york and i was I was uh, fresh out of college and uh, my whole amateur fight career was in New York, basically fighting in Friday night fights. So all those people would be there cheering for me, all my classmates, like all my people from D.C. would come up for that, too. So that's I asked for Madison Square Garden, Carolina. She already got the fight there. So maybe that's like maybe that would help, <laughs> you know, yeah. throwing her name in there. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I would definitely love to get one in this year, like one all more right. in. 
this year just to be like two two and one this year as opposed right. to one and one well i will see you uh on wednesday for mma today so we will continue this conversation uh then but for now overkill go have a few more drinks enjoy these a uh, couple <laughs> days off until you get back on the airwaves we are so happy for you congrats man on a uh, huge victory on saturday thanks guys Unlocking the Cage is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156 and on the SXM app. Serious XM Podcasts.